How are you doing on the light front? Uh, are you shining brightly? Now, I won't ask you to put your hands up or anything. It's kind of an uncomfortable question, isn't it? I mean, we're Canadians. We're, we're intensely private about our faith. Plus, we don't want to be labeled some sort of weird Jesus freak. But at the same time, e each of us has a passion to make a difference. We, we want our lives to count. You, you do. You, you want your life to count. And, and you want to be more than just a cog in the oil sands machine or maybe the Tim Hortons machine or the school board machine or wherever you work. There's a passion deep inside of you to live a life of purpose. We, we want our lives to mean something. I mean, that's how God's wired us. He's, he's wired us uh, to want more, to be more, to make a difference, to live lives that count. I, I do a lot of talking about David in the Old Testament because the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. But he's also a man that messed up a lot. He allowed his sex drive to go well beyond the boundaries that God had set for sexual behavior. He, he may have been a little too uh, quick to... Uh, you know, physically pummel his opponents to take them right out. And as many of you know, on the sexual front, after bringing someone else's wife into his bedroom, getting her pregnant, he tried to cover it all up as he arranged to have her husband murdered so he could bring her back to live with him in, in the king's palace. Despite it all, the Bible describes, da or describes David as a man after his own heart. Well, what made David such a godly man? It's that when God confronted him with his sin, David didn't deny it. He confessed it. He, he repented of it. His heart continually yearned for God, even though sometimes his actions didn't measure up. But he still had this passionate love for God as a flawed human being. And throughout his life, he wrote these amazing worship songs. We, we call them psalms. And hey, I'm pretty sure that if David were alive today, he, he would share my passion for the shooting sports. And for those of you who were here last week, or maybe you've been following my saga on Facebook, I finally got the letter from the RCMP that I've been waiting for, so I posted that as well a few days ago. Uh, originally, I posted that picture you see of a Glock 17 handgun that I recently purchased for a black badge uh, pistol course I'm taking. And actually, there are four of us from Fort City now taking that course, so I'm pumped about that too. But when I put that first post up, I, I expressed in that post a little frustration that the letter that I got from the RCMP was only a letter to possess the gun. And I wanted to write back, dear RCMP, I already possess the gun legally. What I want is the registration that lets me take it to the range. Anyways, I got a few likes on the post. I got even more likes on my Instagram post. But here's who mostly liked it. Guys, and mostly guys from Fort McMurray. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, a, a full 97% of the likes came from men. Only 3% came from women. That's a bit telling, I think, maybe. Then later this week, I got this letter that I was looking for. Hallelujah. The one was, you know, green in the envelope uh, window there, not white. Green is for go. Now I can go to the range with it. But what I did on the second post was I, I, I just posted the picture of the envelope. I didn't post the picture of the gun with two menacing-looking loaded magazines beside it. And by doing that, the number of women who liked that post went up to 30% of the likes, from 3% to 30%. That's a tenfold increase. And not as many men liked it. Oh, and my wife included. She did not put a like on the gun picture. She did put a like on the envelope-only picture. I'll let you figure out what that may or may not mean. And I do have a couple of reasons for telling the story, one that I'll pick up uh, towards the end of my message, but 
I tell the story right now to simply identify a bit with King David, who was incredibly, incredibly skilled in the shooting sports of his day, and he was one adventurous leader. I think David would love living in Fort McMurray, and like many in Fort McMurray, hey, his life was a little messy, but even with that messy love, he, he, life, he, he followed God and experienced God's uh, power at work in his life. So I just love that a, a messy guy can still be passionate for God, and God will work with that. That's kind of good news for me, and I think that's probably good news for a few of you. Now, the Apostle Paul, he was preaching in a Jewish synagogue in a place called Pisidian Antioch. Today, it's a set of ruins in Turkey that you can visit, but as part of his sermon that day, he made this comment about King David, who was a hero to the Jewish people. Um, he said, for David served the purpose of God in his own generation. Friends, that's the cry of my heart. I think it's your heart cry too, that we would serve God's purpose in our generation, that we would be used of God to make a difference, that we would be in some way be light in this dark world where we live, that we would uh, uh, be people who bring hope, who bring healing, who, who bring the life-changing power of Jesus to people all around us. And that's ultimately what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants to use you, warts and all, to serve God's purposes in our generation. Just like King David, he wants to use you for his purposes. He does. Okay, we're in this series of messages called The Ghost. It's all about the Holy Spirit. For the last two weeks, I've told you stories of God's power at work, God's power at work in heroes in history, St. Patrick of Ireland and A.B. Simpson, the founder of our church family, the Christian Missionary Alliance. Last week, I, I walked you through a few of my stories where God has turned up powerfully in my life. And I've been calling you every week to ask the Holy Spirit to fill and empower you so that you can live and love like Jesus, so that you can make a difference right here, right now for him. You see, God changes us so that he can use us to bring change in other people's lives. But yeah, how, how does God change us? Through the Holy Spirit. He, he produces fruit. He, he, he produces these character qualities in us. He, he, he supernaturally transforms our lives so that they look more like Jesus. The Apostle Paul describes what Paul does in, in this way. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That that's the kind of transformation that God wants to produce in you as you allow the Spirit to fill you. God wants to change you from the inside out to look and love more and more like Him. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what He wants to produce in you. Paul also says, For the Spirit that God has given us does not make us fearful. Instead, his spirit fills us with power, love, and self-control. And what Paul is saying is that when we're filled with the spirit, when we seek God to keep filling us with the spirit day by day by day, the spirit just pushes fear out of our lives and gives us power. Power that we've never had before. Power to love, to love well, and power to be self-controlled. Self-control. You know, that's the power to overcome hurts, hang-ups, and habits that get in the way of us living life to the full, living the life the way that Jesus designed life to be. And you know, when AA talks about a higher power, what they really mean is Jesus uh, working through the Holy Spirit. But, but here's what you need to understand about the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit doesn't fill you just to bless you, just to give you the power to change. Now, He does that and so much more. But the Holy Spirit does all this in your life for a greater purpose. God's goal is a whole lot bigger than just you. If you want the Holy Spirit, if you want to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, you've got to be prepared to go on this ride that the Holy Spirit's going to take you on. What I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit fills and blesses you so that you can be a blessing to others. All of a sudden, your life becomes a ride where the Holy Spirit uses you to love and help other people. Here's what happens when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's that word power again. And it's power to make a difference. It's, it's power to be light in the world. It's, it's power to help people here and around the world experience Jesus, to be made whole by Jesus, to, to experience the love of Jesus. Hey, remember when I asked you at the start of the message, how are you doing at being light? And it was maybe an awkward question for some of you. But these are the words of Jesus. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When the Holy Spirit fills you, you, you become light. Light to your family, light where you work, light in your church, light at the range or the golf course. Golf is coming. I know it doesn't look that way today, but it's coming. Give it a week or so. When the Holy Spirit fills you, you become light, and the Holy Spirit empowers you to do deeds, you know, stuff that makes a difference. You love people, you serve people, you invite them to church, you treat people well, and as you do, you become respected, trusted. Well, when someone hits a wall in their life, you're the one they confide in. I mean, a lot of this stuff people can do without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit amplifies your ability to do these things. So I've been telling you stories about my sense of God speaking to you, uh, hopefully not scaring any of you, I'm not sure, but I talked a little bit last week and again yesterday at the leadership lunch about ways that, that God intersects with my life and how I hear him. Well, about a week ago on one of my 5K walks in the Birchwood Trails and streets of Timberley, I was praying that God would move powerfully in our city. People in our city would be touched. Our city would be touched and changed by Jesus. That Jesus would move powerfully in our city. Uh, I, I'm praying with some pastors uh, uh, to do that at the same time, and it just seems like a good thing to be praying, right? Well, as I was praying, I just had this sense of God speaking. This. This happens from time to time. I, I've come to appreciate these times when God just kind of breaks in and speaks. After all, uh, prayer can be a bit of a dialogue, right? I mean, if God is alive and well, he can, he, he can probably enter into a bit of a conversation with us. I mean, that doesn't make us crazy, okay? I, I mean, the Bible is where we anchor all of this. God can speak to his followers outside of the Bible, but always in sync with the Bible. I did have a guy once tell me that God spoke to him to leave his wife and kids so that he could just give his life to uh, ministry a little more. And yeah, no, that wasn't God. The guy was just being a jerk and trying to get Jesus to approve and not a chance. Okay, back to my moment where I think maybe God was kind of breaking in. I'll let others be the judge. I'm praying for this city, I'm, I'm praying for people to come to Jesus, and, and what God did as I was praying was to move me to pray in a slightly different direction. The sense I got 
uh, was that as God was uh, asking me to pray that he would reach more and more people in our city through you. I'm getting this strong oppression that, that I should be praying that God would use you to touch and change more and more people in our city. That you would experience the thrill of being used of God. That you would see God use you powerfully in the life of the people you live with, you go to work with, that you just hang out with. God wanted me to pray that you would be his instrument at work in this city. My sense is God just wants to move powerfully in your life and through your life for the benefit of others. Now, let me explain a little more what I'm praying, just to give you a bit of a heads up, okay, in case you start to experience any of this, all right? I'm praying that as the Holy Spirit fills you, that you would become gracious barbarians. Now, I love this little phrase, gracious barbarians. Okay, it's a phrase I created, I I get, but I'm a bit biased. But it captures who I want to be and who I believe God wants you to be. I I think it captures the essence of Fort City, that we are to be a bunch of gracious barbarians. I know, some of you are thinking, how in the world do you put the word gracious and barbarian together? Hey, I think it's a bit deeper than the fact that I've got a bit of Irish Viking in me, okay? And while most of you don't have Irish Viking in you, many of you do have this side that's has just a bit, a, a bit of barbarian in you. And, and I'm not just talking, guys. I, I know some women have it too. Uh, that word barbarian appeals to some of you. Just, just admit it. So how do I work with this passion that is in me, that's in us, this passion to push forward and make a difference? This passion for conquest, for more. This passion to live lives that count, that matter. Well, you surrender this passion to the Holy Spirit. You, you let the Holy Spirit fill you. you. You allow the Holy Spirit to transform this passion into something good and godly. You allow the fruit of the Spirit to flow through this barbarian side that you have, and you become this gracious barbarian. What do I mean? Because of the Holy Spirit in you, you're full of love. You, you serve people with greater relational intensity. You're gracious in how you deal with people. And at the same time, you are not afraid. You, you live without fear. You're not afraid to name the name of Jesus. You're, you're not afraid to admit that you go to Fort City. You're not afraid to say that God has made a big difference in your life. You, you're not afraid to speak the truth in love graciously, though. You're not afraid when the Holy Spirit prompts you to take action. You're not afraid to step out and talk to that person when the Spirit nudges you. You're you're not afraid to invite someone to church when the Spirit nudges you. You're just not afraid. But you are full of grace. You are a gracious barbarian. I mean, what an awesome way to live. The power of the Holy Spirit is at work in you, changing you. and, And the power of the Holy Spirit is using you to help other people become the best version of themselves. With with the Holy Spirit, it is a both-and deal. The Spirit changes you for the better, and the Spirit uses you to change others for the better. So awesome, right? So will you let the Holy Spirit fill you so that you become a gracious barbarian? Will, Will you let the Holy Spirit fill you so that you become light where you work and where you live? Will you let the Holy Spirit work through you so that your deeds would have impact on other lives, so so that lives change and you're the instrument all for the glory of God? Friends, this is your calling. You are called to be a gracious barbarian making a positive influence in this world. Hey, it could simply be with kids at our high school lunch or Tuesday night program, or younger kids or junior high kids on Sunday mornings here. 
might be serving on the connection team, worship team, or hosting a small group. It might be helping a neighbor lift his truck if you have those skills, or repair a fence, bring a meal. Maybe let them borrow your snow thrower today, or even let them use the most precious of your possessions, your truck, when he or she has a load to haul. Right? What, what did Jesus say? Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Hey, you have an opportunity to be a gracious barbarian in a very simple way in the next two weeks. In two weeks, it's Easter Sunday. This is the most important Sunday in the Christian year. This is the Sunday when we celebrate the fact that Jesus uh, bust through death, rose to life, and the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is available for you and me to live life to the full, to live and love well. This is the Sunday where we talk about the truth that Jesus dealt with the sin that so messes up our lives, dealt with our sin on the cross and busted through it and rose again. And Jesus, who conquered sin and death, will empower you and me and will empower your neighbors if they allow him to conquer sin and death. The message of Easter Sunday is the most powerful message a person will ever hear. It's the message that changes lives now and forever. And in Fort City, we work uh, and we pray really hard to create an Easter Sunday experience where the Holy Spirit would choose to turn up in power and we don't do it just for you, although we do it for you, but we also do it for your friends and family and co-workers who don't normally go near a church, who, who, who don't know Jesus. We just want people who live far from Jesus to, to actually have the opportunity to experience Jesus for themselves. It can happen. And, and this is where you get to be a gracious barbarian. And really, this is what God wants to do through you. He wants to give you courage and tact to invite people to Easter Sunday. And then maybe afterwards, ask them what they think, you know. Have lunch, have a coffee, uh, just kind of talk about the service, what was good or bad about it. Maybe invite them to a starting point small group. Maybe go with them to that small group. I invite them out to our, nest, our next message series. It's on raising kids, even if they don't have kids, because we raise kids together, and you know, this city is overrun with kids. I love it, but true. God wants to use you to help see the lives of your friends and family who live far from Jesus get connected to Jesus. He wants to work through you. He wants to use you as a gracious barbarian. Getting people out on Easter Sunday is one way. You know, a lot of people who rarely go to church or never go to the church, they will go on Easter Sunday because of you. In fact, there are people who will only come to church and hear the life-changing message of Jesus because of you. They will only come if you yourself invite them. And that's all part of what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you become this gracious barbarian, this difference maker, this person who loves his neighbor as himself, and you become a bridge to Jesus. Friends, you can do this. You, you really can if you let the Holy Spirit push away the fear and, and give you relational tact to love and invite well. And, and that's just one. I mean, you could serve at the car show. You could open up your garage to your neighbors. You could organize a street party. You, you could make a meal for a family in need or... Look after their kids for a weekend, letting a mom and dad have a romantic getaway weekend to Edmonton. I mean, I, I know that romance is more difficult with the Oilers out of the playoffs and all, but they can figure something out, or maybe just go to Calgary instead. Uh, I, I saw some Flames playoff tickets selling for a mere $900. Uh, that was U.S. Uh, I, I've been telling stories 
about my early Christian experience with God, what, what he did uh, through and in me and grow me in my high school and university years. It was just powerful, life-transforming. And, and I began to learn real early that, that God can work powerfully, change lives, that, that he can just use ordinary, everyday, flawed people like you and me. Let, let me tell you a story about Teresa. I, I was part of a, a high school group called Inter... Uh, school Christian fellowship that was connected to Pioneer Camp, where my wife still works every sum, summer. Uh, the camp and those school groups were run by a group called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So in the high school that I attended, we had one of these ISCF groups, and I, I was part of the leadership team. And, and a girl by the name of Teresa started to turn up. I wasn't aware of how troubled her background was and that she was quite the burden on the counseling department of our uh, high school and on the principals and but while being a part of this group, she became a follower of Jesus. And following Jesus radically changed her life. Someone invited her to our group. She just hung out with us, and in the process, she got radically changed. That happens. You invite someone to encounter Jesus, to, to be a place exposed to Jesus, and, and they change. Uh, later that year, our teachers were threatening to go on strike. Uh, teacher strikes were illegal back then, so the teachers went on what is called a work to rule. Uh, this meant they only turned up for classes they were assigned to and nothing else. No sports, no clubs, and, and that meant no ISCF was allowed. However, the vice principal of the school saw the radical change that had happened in Teresa's life. He was very familiar of the drain that she was to school resources on him personally, he saw that something huge had happened. Now, this vice principal, in my experience, was the most cynical guy in the school when it came to anything uh, Christian. Uh, he had a bit of Anglican background, but that didn't seem to help. So what happened next totally caught me off guard. He called me into his office. I call this almost a miracle. Yeah, a miracle. He then said, you know, I don't do church much or anything like that, but what you guys are doing in this school is good. What, what happened in Teresa's life is absolutely amazing. I, I can't believe the change that's happened in her life. So here's what I'll do. I will be the sponsor for your group so that it can keep going during the work to rule. You guys are too important not to be happening. And for the next four months, our ISCF group, about 30 of us, we were the only extracurricular activity happening in that high school. Awesome. God changed the life. Other people noticed. We were seen as a positive influence, not a negative one in the school, and more lives changed. Now, the principal did have a little condition on all of this. He was really worried about Christians who had stickers that they wanted to put everywhere and tracks that they wanted to leave. He said, if you don't do any of that crazy stuff, I'll sponsor you. And I said, we can do that, okay? That, that's good. So how did Teresa get to the group? Someone invited her. There was a gracious barbarian in her life. You know, a gracious, tactful, but fearless invite. Man, it's a powerful tool in the hands of a powerful God. There's so much more to Teresa's story. I, I just don't have time. She played an instrumental, Mimi, almost a prophetic role in helping me to, uh, towards the end of my university years, to switch from going to teacher's college to seminary. It, it's kind of a dramatic story. Uh, I'll tell it sometime. Uh, Teresa, who I'd helped in a small way come to know Jesus, played a powerful role in helping me understand that I was called to be a pastor. You know, there are three words you'll often hear us use uh, here at Fort City to describe the Christian life. Uh, life, transformation, and adventure. Uh, these are words that describe what happens to us when we let the Spirit fill us. 
uh, full of the spirit, we get to experience life, life to the full, life like it cannot be experienced any other way. Full of the spirit, we are given the power to change. We, we experience transformation. We become better. We live better. We overcome hurts, hang-ups, and habits that rob us of life that sometimes cause us to be hurtful to others. And full of the spirit, we get thrust on the adventure of being used of God. We become light. We become witnesses. We're used by God to make a difference where we live, where we work, where we hang out. The gym, the hockey rink, the range, the ski hill. Like King David, you know, we're flawed, messy, but we got hearts for Jesus, and so we serve God's purposes in our generation. You know... The most exciting part of the Holy Spirit is not when you experience healing and transformation. And yes, that's awesome. And, and I love it whenever I see that happen. But, but it's when the Holy Spirit uh, takes what he's done in you and he uses it to help someone else. I mean, that's just the best, being used by God to serve his purposes, to see another life change. So will you let the Spirit fill you? And will you listen to the prompts, the nudges, the still small voice of the Spirit who will lead you to volunteer maybe for something at church? Will you follow through on that nudge to talk to that person at work who is hurting that, that you don't know is hurting, but all of a sudden when you respond to the nudge, God uses you powerfully? Will you let the Spirit point you to someone you need to invite uh, to Easter Sunday? Will you let God speak to you about someone who needs a meal as an encouragement or maybe you need to lend a tool or a toy to somebody or help someone with a project? Will you let the Spirit fill you and then listen for the Spirit as the Spirit leads you? And you never know. You just never know what's going to happen. It's awesome. Now, besides the fact that I personally think the shooting sports are cool, uh, for more of you, I get it's golf, right? I mean, how many more golf you know, courses do we have compared to ranges here, right? But one of the reasons I put up sometimes these politically incorrect pics of handguns and hanging deer is also to say that as the spirit moves you, he will work with who you are and how he's wired you. My point is not to convince you all to take up the shooting sports, although I'm cool with that. My point is God is jazzed with the passions that you are jazzed by. And how God has wired you is part of the adventure that he's going to put you on as he uses you. It's why we have a car show or, or paint nights. People are just jazzed by these things, and God uses them. Next week, I'm going to do something that I originally planned to do this week, and that's talk about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are Holy Spirit supernatural endowments that God gives you to empower you to serve Him better. These gifts enable you to serve others well. They give you a, a, a supernatural ability to serve God's purposes in our generation. So that's next week, and it flows well from this week. Friends, the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. He, he's all about propelling us into mission, propelling us to make a difference in this world, propelling us to live and love like Jesus. And he gives us power to do that. But there's nothing more awesome, I, I mean nothing, than knowing that God has used you to impact another person for the better. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. And let the Holy Spirit thrust you into mission right here, right now, on your street, where you work. I mean, there's just nothing like it. And really, it's yours for the asking. And you know, it really is a beautiful thing how God can use us with all of our imperfections and do so much good in the world, right? Let's just bow for prayer and ask God to fill us with his spirit and 
uh, to use us to make a difference right here and now. And as I pray, just would you take the words that I pray and kind of turn them into your own personal prayer? Would you do that? Let's pray. God, I'm not sure I see myself as a leader quite like King David. But I sure admit I got a few flaws, maybe like him. And yet you used him to serve your purposes in his generation. God, would you use me to make a difference right here, right now, right in Fort McMurray? Would you fill me with your spirit and help me to change for the better? Would you produce those character qualities, those fruit of the spirit in me? Would you drive away fear and give me power? Power to love and power to live with self-control. And as you change me and heal me and make me whole, would you use me for the benefit of others? Would you make me a blessing? Would you make me someone who really does make a positive difference in other people's lives? Take my ordinary...